Hello guys, welcome to Spirit Pig. This is the show that explores how to live a fulfilled life. I'm Duncan CJ and today I'm speaking with Derek Mills. Derek is an internationally acclaimed speaker, best-selling author of the book The 10 Second Philosophy, wealth manager, coach and mentor and he runs a senior partner practice at one of the UK's premier FTSE 100 companies and has spent the past 12 years coaching and guiding millionaires and multi-millionaires to grow their wealth. However, one of the reasons why I actually got Derek on today and what makes his story so interesting is that until his late 30s, his business life was, I think in your own words, a complete failure. Uh, He barely had any time with his family. He was stressed overworked and unbelievably unhappy until he discovered a way that turned the whole of his life and business around. And within three years after that, he had earned his first million. He'd moved up to, I think, the top 1% of the top 1% of financial advisors worldwide. And best of all, he now works, I think it was last time I saw, it was three and a half days a week. And he spends the rest of the time with his family and close friends. So I want to just delve into this, find out what happened, like basically what the kind of change in the mindset was. And, um, but first of all, hello. How you doing? Thanks so much for being here. (laughs) Hi, Duncan. (laughs) Things got... Back before the kind of the transformation, things got yeah. you know they, they got really really tough, didn't they? You, I think you had like had to struggle with potential foreclosures. You once had like this phone call from your from your wife one day. Can you basically just explain yeah, what that indeed, was about? Yeah, I, I've been struggling with um, the issue of debt since I was oh, I don't know about twenty one, twenty two. Um, didn't know anything about money, um, and as I struggled through, I, I kind of building up debt and earning money and building up more debt. And um, I got married about twenty five. But by 25, I'd already had one house repossessed. That was in my own name. And um, that doesn't come out very often. That, that's, <laughs> that's way back at the psyche, but obviously it comes out today. Um, and then basically when I was about 29, I had to go to court because I was behind with the mortgage payments. And they tried all the different payment plans with me, but I ended up in front of the district judge just kind of saying, please, you know, one more chance. I promise you I will pay you know, the Woolwich, as it was called then, part of Barclays now, I think. I'll pay the Woolwich and more bunks in my mortgage and um, I managed to save the house repossession because whatever conspired God decided to tell the judge give him one more chance just one more chance so I got that chance and um, but then later on in my early 30s I was still in debt trying to pay off old debts from my 20s that knock-on effect and um, yeah that, that, that day came when I'm in the office one afternoon and you know working on a self-employed basis you know what you called fees or commission only back in those days and my wife just said no Derek you know the, the bailiffs are in the house and in the UK, they're in the house for, we call them bailiffs, they're in the house because um, I hadn't paid the property taxes, which is called ca- council tax. And uh, what essentially happened, she said to me, well, they're not going to take the furniture today, but if you don't pay the thing within seven days, according to this paperwork, they're going to uh, they're, they're come back and take the furniture in seven days. And I said, oh my God, I said, listen, love, no, leave it to me, I'll take care of it, you know, that's, don't worry about it. And um, she said, oh, and by the way, you do remember that, that mum and dad, uh, which is my in-laws, her mom and dad, are visiting from Ireland today. And I said, yes. And she said, well, they're here as well. And I was on this phone. I was just, I don't know, it's hard to even explain, but I get to not to imagine how humiliated and the kind of pit that I sunk into in that moment, knowing that my in-laws are right there when the bailiffs are wandering around the house with a flip chart or flipboard, whatever. So anyway, it was just a sign, really, that these are just signs and symbols of how... Um, disjointed I was with who I really was in life and the fact that I'd uh, you know fell into that trap that you know which in the in the matrix you might describe it as you know buy stuff you know um join in Mm. 
spend money that you haven't got. Try and do things that you really can't afford, and and get all the. And I bought all of that hook, line, and sinker. Hook took me away, and I did all that right through. You know, my um, early uh, to mid, almost late twenties. Uh, so I was actually in debt, even though I was a self-employed, you know, financial advisor. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and then I mean, you had sort of I think it was eighteen years of sort of setting and then i think failing to achieve goals didn't you this idea of like yeah, yeah. setting goals setting goals yeah. setting goals and that yeah. was i guess instilled into you and yeah one one day you were working late in your office security guard came knocking on the door being like hey you know wait to lock up and you were just like just give me 10 minutes give me 10 minutes yeah and yeah yeah came back a few minutes later you're like two more minutes two more minutes and he asked you a question which kind of was a kind of a turning point wasn't it can you explain that Absolutely. The key aspect of this, Duncan, is though, is to pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention. Because when we pay attention, we get the clues that the universe has been sending maybe for weeks, months, or maybe even you know, for, for years when we pay attention. Because, yeah, I'd been, uh, up until um, the end of 2003, November, I'd been doing the goal thing. So I was 38 years old then, and I'd gone on, you know, I listened to the tapes, showing my age there, aren't I? I listened to the CDs and, uh, and listened to, and read some books, been on a couple of courses, and all the great talkers and speakers and gurus at the time said, no, in, this, in essence, they, they encapsulated in you set goals to be successful. And who doesn't say that? Every one of them says that. But here's the challenge that I was living until I was 38. I've been setting the goals. I'd even visualized them. I'd even written them down. But I was 38. I was broken, depressed. So that night when the security guard came knocking on the door, you know, I asked for a bit more time. And then he asked me that question, which changed absolutely everything. And that's the thing. In life, we do have to begin to pay attention to the words, thoughts, questions, phrases, and ideas that come to us, because they do come. It's whether we're paying attention to, to when the question comes. So he asked me a question, and the question was, was a simple, it was a non-question. It was simply this, what time did you get in this morning? That isn't a question, is it? That's just like a, it's, it's, it's a nonsense question. It's not a real thing. And on, on, you know, in the previous thirty-eight years, it would have meant nothing. But for whatever reason, I was paying attention in that moment. And I, as he walked away, because I said, "Well, about eight o'clock, I got in," and he, I really, he walked away. Realised I've been up since six on the road at seven in the office just just before eight o'clock. It was now almost ten in the evening, and I've been doing that not just for weeks, but for months, but for years five, six days a week, missing my wife, missing my children, fracturing those relationships, not being a good dad, brother, almost said sister then, but you know, dad, brother, whatever, not being the person and not having many friends. I don't think I invested time into people, so I didn't have many real friends. So I felt broke. um, So I felt depressed and I was broke. But that in that moment, I had this kind of epiphany or 10 second moment. I realized, hold on a second. I've been doing this goal setting thing for 17 years I've done what they all said, and but, I, but I'm broken, depressed. Goals don't work. And the next thing said to me, well, goals need help. You know, because goals do need help. Goals do not work on their own. This isn't a one-year revelation. It's a seven-year <laughs> study of all the greats telling me this stuff and still not getting there. A funny thing is, let me just cut out for a second and go off on a tangent. Since then, I've spoken all around the world on five continents now. When I asked those questions, we realized that with the work that was done by Leslow PR in 2012, that most people around the world that set goals don't achieve them. I was, I was going to bring up that, like, yeah, yeah. research so, says so, 3% so, yeah, or something. Exactly. So, so we'll come back to that. And so, it's, so I was in that moment realizing I'm one of those guys that have been setting goals, listening to what I've been told to do, and, and not doing it. In that space, 
I found a, a, a real quiet spot inside of me and it was kind of my own, what I call the inner voice. My true self spoke to me in this moment and it just gave me these concepts and ideas. And I, I just stood there in the office. I've been struggling for all these years and just paid attention. And I paid attention to the fact it said that goals need help. What you need to do is stop setting more goals and instead set daily standards from within, as in, so I'll define as we go along. This yeah, came as learning for me. But as we, a daily standard is a basis, criterion, level, quality, or rule. Basis, criterion, level, quality, rule that we set from within, from our truth, not from the incongruency and the, the lack of truth from outside of the world, but from inside of ourselves. So I, think, I said, okay, <laughs> having almost like this spiritual conversation with myself. Um, so daily standards, so that's what they are. And also we only do them for today. So if you live by the day, then you'll be centered, you'll be present, you'll be in your life. And these concepts were like, just imagine a revolution going on in your own body going, well, no, no, because I've been living for 17 years. I know what the teachers tell us. But the, the, the honest truth that came out of my true self was that, and look at you now. See, this isn't your life. And this is not who you're meant to be. This is not your place. And how you're feeling right now, this is not for you. You're meant to be something else because you already are. And what we need to do is to work together <laughs> to kind of strip away the stuff that you're not. I just call that your non-self stuff. Yes. Strip away your non-self and just, and just dare to be yourself. And, uh, you know, so the idea for me was it was more of a spiritual thing, but it was actually to say, and there are some practical things you can do, which is set some standards from within. So I began to do that. And um, that night, I can be a bit silly about these things, I realize now. That night, I wrote down some standards that were really important to me back then because they change over time. I wrote some of them down, and I'm going to stop driving over the country, seeing clients. Clients must come to me as standard. No more working weekends. Um, take my kids to school every, every single morning in the morning, do the school run, pick them up two, three times a week. Um, Friday would be as, as a brand new, you know, brand new rule, which is a standard, daily standard. Friday would be, Jerry time. That's my wife, Jerry. So just she and her, um, she and I on, on the, on a Friday and all these things around clients. A lot of my clients, I was suffering because I had not bad people, but poor clients. They weren't bad people. One or two of them were. They would really, <laughs> they'd really abuse my trust and they had me driving everywhere and say, can't see you in the week, Derek. No. Can you come on Saturday? Can you come on Friday evening at eight? You know, as in, and this, I was accepting this low standard of treatment and behavior and, and relationship. So that's where they met me. So as I, as I lived this way, I found that I was working with people who basically were also had no money and weren't doing very well with their finances. And if you're working as a financial advisor with people who have got not much money, then guess where you end up? You end up also with no money. You can give them advice, but they haven't got much to advise around. So I did that and just struggled to pay the bills for those 17 years. But actually, once I then set new standards about what clients should be, their criteria for income, they have to be nice people. I really messed around with it because I said to myself, I stood by the filing cabinet just behind me over there. I used to share this room with other people. And um, for the last decade or so, <laughs> I've, I've had my own office, you know. But I shared this very room with other people. And here's the thing. Whenever you... If you're a manager in any, in any um, area at all and you have people performing badly, do not put them together in a single room. It does not help. 
it doesn't just take that from me. It doesn't help. Anyway, so, so I'm, I'm in this room and I made a decision that day and I, and I wrote out lots of my standards at that time and I wrote them out as in, and I color coded them. I went downstairs and I laminated them, you know, that's just, you know, it's, it's I mean, got, yeah, it's got, got to laminate it. You know, who, who doesn't like laminating? And I, I got the, uh, I got, I got five copies back then and I, I went home and, and said to my, my wife that evening, you know, uh, new Derek, new husband, new standards. And even I didn't have any idea at all what, what that would really mean to me uh, a few, just a few years later. When the, with the kids um, the, the next day, because our youngest was you know, one or two just then, um, but the eldest three, I said to them, you know, I gave them a copy of my new daily standards and said, no, new dad, new standards. And I got the final copy, fridge magnet on the yeah. fridge, you know. So, and, and if you really do want to... Uh, <laughs> You know, to stick to your daily standards, tell your kids. Yeah, and they, they'll hold Merc- you to it. Merciless, aren't they? Same. So that, that, that's that's the that's the how I got to that place of change. And the message was daily standards set from your truth, which I implemented into my life as well as my business. Yeah. So what what would you say is just the main difference between, say, a goal and a standard? Oh, uh, great. Because you know, a, a goal, no matter who teaches you, uh, is set in time. Yeah. It says by next week, next month, next year, three years, five years, ten years, is I will, ha- I will be, do have. Have that money, have that car, that relationship, that weight, that person, that promotion, and we, we can go on. And, and, and that's the challenge because you know, what I ask people around the, around the world now is you know, what attachment do you put on that goal? The typical answers come back, but the most common answer that people give me is, is that when they achieve that goal, that they will be happy. Yeah. And this is part of the trap that I was in because happiness is a present time experience. You can't be happy in the future. There's no just things being happy next week or in three years or end of the tax year or end of next quarter. It, it's, an, it, it's just a concept. You can't be happy in the future. Mm-hmm. Happiness is a present time experience. You can only be happy in the now. So when goals say when you do be, get, have, the house, whatever, it's an illusion to yeah. think you can be happy when you've got that thing. And that, so it's that was, at the end of the rainbow, isn't it? Uh, it's always there. And you're, and you're chasing it and like a little leprechaun. And <laughs> I don't know that's where that came from. But the, but the idea here is that, you know, I realized that was, that was the thing. And I was, see, for these years, Duncan, I'd been setting those goals and I'd written them down and I'd visualized some of them and the rest of it. And I said, when I get that, I, I, these weren't my exact words, but sometimes they were my exact words. I'll be happy when I get that. When, I, when I've gone there and got that house and I've got the extra car and not running around in this old banger and that type of stuff. And what I was really doing when I did my own research and, and analysed people later on, I was actually fracturing my happiness. Here's what was really happening. Don't you dare get me to be happy right now. I'll be happy when I've got those things. So no, 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 Duncan, don't, please don't try and get me to be happy today. Not until then will I be happy. So what's really happening is you're reserving, pushing aside, fracturing happiness and saying, it's over there. But no, that never comes most of the time for most people around the world. They never achieve the goal. So what happens to the happiness if they never achieve the goal? Secondly is, what does it do to the happiness quotient today if you put them off until tomorrow? So this is the illusion of goals. And it sounds like I'm putting goals down. But what I'm saying is actually there's something missing. And the missing link is daily standards. What I discovered and began to live by was daily standards, i.e. what were the basis, criterion, levels, qualities and rules that come from my authentic self, come from within me, that I should live in all the key aspects of my life. As in, 
health and fitness, environment, relationships, emotions, career, time and money. And on the business side, there's another uh, seven areas that we focus on when we work with corporates and SMEs to say, these are the corporate areas that you would focus on. But as an individual, for my first change, my change first came, is to say, these are the areas for me. It was health. It was family. It was parts of my business and, and, and my career and managing money, which was obviously I was pretty bad at. So what, what, what I did, I, I set new standards in those areas. And here's the, here's the difference. A standard comes from within and it's only for today. A standard says, uh, this is how I am today. This mm. is how I'm being today. If someone interacts with me, this is the level of interaction I'm accepting today. This is the new rule, the new level, the new criteria, which are authentically set. This isn't how I'm going to be next week or in three years' time. I'm going to be this way. Because inside of us, we, we all actually know who we are. So why is that so powerful today? Today, why, Compared to today, the, the next week, what is, what is the it's, power it's, of saying today? Because you know what, what the thing about today is that you are present mm. in your life today. Yeah. And, and you're the best you today you don't you don't even know you've got tomorrow yeah but you're present today but there's a couple of other real juicy bits that come out of this which i just didn't know at the time it's just a revelation like whoa i'm going for it because life is rubbish anyway <laughs> or worse that effect but i'm going for it so i went for it and then realized what was happening and what i what i noticed was that um the more that you're present the more your gifts flow into your life the more that you stay in today, the more that you stay present, the more that you stay in the now, it's as if by magic that the gifts that you've already got, the gifts that you came here with, begin to flow into your life. Now, if you think about it, and your gifts and your talents, your abilities begin to flow because you're present in your life, not, not in the future or dwelling in the past, when you're present, they begin to flow. You now can come into the same job the same work, the same relationship, the same strategy that you're in, and you can do it three, four, five, ten times better. So let's be really, really clear. I didn't run away and find myself. I was already here. So I stayed with the same company, self-employed, commissioned and fees only. I had the same products, the same services. Even now, I'm in the same, I'm in the same office, but on my own now. So the same services and the whole thing. But within three years of that point and sticking to those standards and being present and being happy in the present time, I 10 times my income within three years, 10 times it, all documented with a FTSE 100 company, so it's all verifiable. So the idea there is that when we, when we do these things, we begin to reveal ourselves. Now, here's, here's the thing to answer your question. When these gifts begin revealing themselves to us, and we use them to change our lives and everything else, we have to accept that they must have been here all of those previous lean years. So it's the daily standards that got them to come out and to become present in our life. Most importantly, I became happy. So when we live as our true selves, with daily standards set from our authentic self, as we keep them, the keeping of the standards keep us in our true self. There's a kind of nice virtual, virtuous loop here. If we dare to go inside and discover what the right standards for me, my health, my relationships with that person, with my clients, my business, with my money. So it's really from an internal inspection. And we listen and set standards from that place. By sticking to those daily standards, just one day at a time, just one day, the only day we've got, sticking to them helps keep us inside, keep us in our truth. And the longer we stay in our truth, the more of our gifts begin to flow. So I, I, I wish I could say to you, Duncan, I just discovered this all in one sitting. <laughs> <laughs> but the discovery was actually, this is how I need to be for my truth. And the rest revealed itself to me. 
as I began to realize, well, hold on a second, life has never been this way for me before. And as you know, I then began to get inquiries with other people. How did you go from the broke guy working six days to a senior partner at the same company, now that we're a FTSE company and you're one of the top people in the company and we're 2,000 strong, you're one of the top guys, one of the top 30 producers. How did you do that now that you're working part-time? <laughs> so, uh, so I was like, well, and I went to share with people this was what I did and I wrote about this in the, in the, in the book, you know, the 10 second philosophy, purely because I didn't, I had to, I didn't, um, the way I describe it is that I, I did it and then I basically began to pick up the spots, things I was doing because I did keep a journal, which was, I think it's vital for anyone's journey. Keep a journal. Mm. Um, and as I began to do that, people began to open say, can you teach me this stuff? So I began to share about being authentic self, being true self and living by daily standards. And then the rest, I'm sure you already know how the world then accepted that and took me all around the world to, to audiences large and small. <clears throat> if we take stock of our life right now, is it, it says often because we took and lived by someone else's standards, be it Correct. our parents, societies, newspapers, friends, maybe even celebrities we watch on some like celebrity TV program. Yep. We're actually consuming their standards and actually using that as our standards to live by. And that's, yeah. that's what got us here where we are right now today. That was so well put. I won't repeat it. <laughs> Perfect. That, 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 that's, that's, that's how it is. So, that, so the key, therefore, is, is to we have this thing called the six-step standards reframe, where you take time to stop and pause and review the existing standards that you have in your life, especially the areas that are frustrating you or making you unhappy or that you don't feel you're succeeding in. So you stop, review your existing standards. Part of that review is to consider the source. Yeah. Where did that come from? Oh, I used to do that when I was 21 years old and um, you know, go out on a Friday, drink 17 pints of beer, have a kebab on the way home. And no, back then that was okay, wasn't it? Because your body would just go, yeah. be gone, you know, and your heart said, get rid of that. But now... If you say if you're 41, you try doing that at 41. See, that standard does, may have served you then, but it will not serve you now, and it will not it will not honour you now. So the many standards in our life, personal, business, relationships, how we behave, a lot of the standards that were, that were okay back then, but the question to ask as part of that review is, does that standard that you've got in this area of your life, does it honour and serve you? Mm. And does it allow you to honour and serve others? So to the degree that it honours and serves you, keep it. If it honors and serves you and allows you to honor and serve others, really strongly maintain it. And the others, we then go through a release process, then we go through a replacement process, then a reinforcement process, and then the recommitment process. And that's all part of the six-step reframe. This is key because when you said that most people are living by, uh, the way you described it was that they're actually living by standards which are not their own. So you ask people to then go go inside and, for the first time in the seven areas of their life to discover what their real standards are for them. And then we give them processes and systems and reinforcements to stick to those standards just one day at a time. Yeah. And you obviously, you mentioned a second ago um, in passing, you mentioned like the idea of like a vision board or stuff like that. I mean, you're obviously someone who lives and breathes this concept of daily standards, but can mm-hmm. one embrace this idea fully and still set long-term goals as well? Or do daily standards and long-term goals completely contradict one another they they work together because well, so what i did um when i first woke up to this was actually just to stop setting more goals because mm. th- they weren't working you know that's where i uh, was at that, at that time at 38 but around the world almost every audience that i speak to is more of a business or professional or personal development audience when i ask who set goals almost every hand goes up and i, and I then ask them a question okay and how's that working out for you mm. and, and then you know, people say oh well uh, now that you mention it and so what i say is actually okay fair enough the missing link 
Okay. To your goal success it's all part of is it. your daily standards. Gotcha. Is your daily standards. And it's as if to say, you know, keep, keep your goals, stick your goals. I call them now, I have intentions and another conversation we can talk about. I talk about who I am and I live through that being rather than setting out external goals. And I picked up through an interview with um, uh, Eckhart Tolle and, uh, and uh, our past colleague, um, you know, Wayne Dyer, and they had a conversation. And did you realize that neither of these two uh, spiritual leaders set goals? They used to. And, and uh, I can get you a copy of that, just where they I had a conversation, where they, where they just said, um, just remind me afterwards, they both said, actually, they talked to each other on this interview with Hey Has, said, uh, oh, I, I don't set goals, said to Wayne Dyer. And I got to I said, well, I don't set goals either. <laughs> and Wayne said, well, what I used to, but here's what it did to me. I'm like, I've been saying this for 10, 13 years now. <laughs> Let's, yeah, here's why. And, and I was just hearing these great teachers, proper spiritual leaders saying, yeah. And I said, that's, that's what it is. That's what I've been experiencing and sharing. But to hear those guys say that thing and they got there in different ways but they got to the point hold on is it possible that the goals that you're setting are making you not you and are making you unhappy and is it possible that most of the goals that you're setting are taken from the world rather than from within you i'm just saying is it possible could you consider that for a moment and is it possible that in fact that the goals you set limit you no matter how big you are so i'll give you an example i'm a guy um from um where am I from? From Birmingham. <laughs> I'm a guy from, yeah, from, in a city in Birmingham. You know, my, um, one of seven children. My parents are immigrants to, the, to, the, to this country. My mother, as, as I'm sure, and I know you, you know, my mother died when I was uh, 13 years old. So my dad gave up his work, look after seven kids, look after us. Went to school. I had a stutter. And, um, you know, until I was in my late, late twenties, very early thirties, had a stutter. Um, was broke. No, almost, almost bankrupt. Lost, lost one house. Almost lost another. Bailey's from the house. When I woke up and began to live, you know, that true self way, I realised in a second, all the goals I've been setting weren't me anyway. They weren't really me in my life. So I began to let me, my true self, <clears throat> show up. And as the true self showed up with daily standards attached, I began to live that way, live my true self and be myself. So you then roll forward um, in real term, just a few short years. And I'm, uh, I made my first million in 2006. I speak now around the world as a paid professional speaker, being paid thousands of pounds of time to go around the world and share daily standards and true self and the concepts of the 10 second philosophy book. Um, I, I coach leaders and I was in Paris two weeks ago with one of the top people at Google having a first coaching session with, with, with him. I've coached f- footballers. If you go to my website at dailysandards.com, you'll see a really great coach from someone who came on my coaching, one of my programs two years ago, who happens to be the head coach, head scout at um, Leicester City which is quite useful about now. Because <laughs> it gives a really great toast moment to say, listen, he said, Derek, two years ago, I came on your course, blah, 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 blah. So that, what I'm saying is that how does that happen to this guy with that kind of history and that kind of baggage? You know, I get to coach and work with people and I've, on my wall, um, I've got pictures of me with, you know, with, with Prince, Prince Edward here and Prince Charles here, been to their houses for dinner, at least Prince Edward's house for dinner. Two years ago, my wife and I got invited to Buckingham Palace for Christmas for a Christmas jazz party where Gregory Porter played. We're like, 
pinching ourselves. <laughs> you know, earlier this year in February, I'm um, sitting down having a one-to-one lunch with the, with the Monacan ambassador. Um, you know, and th- literally in that meeting when she went out the room, I did pinch myself to go, come on. <laughs> I'm from Birmingham. And <laughs> so um, you know, down at the embassy in London, I was invited to uh, – I had a private tour of the White House in 2008 with my family. Th- two years ago, I was invited to a State Department give my John Kerry – a reception for an ambassador that was leaving who became a personal friend of mine when I worked with her a few years ago. I'm literally going, the only way that this life is possible is because it's already inside of me. The person that can coach and lead and mentor leaders. And Now, I'm not the guy to change things, but I genuinely believe that what I came here with is the ability to get others to notice what they can do to change things. I'm not the guy that changes things, but I do believe I can help others to wake up so that they can change things. And that's part of my gift and that we all have gifts. Otherwise, how on earth does that guy get to become this, this guy? And I don't know what else is to come, but what I do know is I've guided people around the world to say there is far more to you than any goal, any goal. I don't go to Robbins or Napoleon Hill. There's far more to you than any goal that you could ever set. And the answer is actually on the inside, not on the outside. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? A fulfilled life means to me to discover who I am and everything that I got that I came here with and to be that person to the benefit of others in love. What is one thing all our listeners could... What is one thing all our listeners can do today that will have a massive positive effect on their lives? Apart from buying the book? Apart from buying the book, of course. <laughs> of course, number one. It came in, so I said it. And uh, no, actually, <laughs> the most important thing to do, and it, you know, it does take courage, is to dare to be yourself and live life at your own standards. I won't just throw that out there. It's because the world sees and treats you where you set the standards. So on the scale of 1 to 10, if you're in your business, your relationships, your health, whatever it is, at a 2, the world will treat you and meet you at a 2. If you want to if you set your standards at a 7, the world will meet you at a 7. You can do that. You can be in the same life, but living a 7 or a 10 rather than a 2 because the world meets, treats, engages you where you set the standard. So set higher daily standards from within and live them just for today. Last but not least, how can people stay in touch, find out more about you and your work? Yeah, uh, um, the, the website that we uh, have is the, it's called dailystandards.com or, or one word. And to get in touch there, look at our stuff, watch a couple of videos, read some of the, the, the work that we do. And if you, can, if you find us and you want to um, join us one of our courses or programs, then do so. Email us, get in touch on Facebook. I'm on, we're on there, dailystandards.com. Um, we're on Twitter, although I don't use it very much. Um, yeah, do whatever you need to do. If you feel that you're moved by what we shared today, get in touch, connect, and who knows, one day at a time. Derek, thank you so much for speaking with me. Brilliant. It's been fascinating. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch that because I, I, I totally feel that. But by day by day, I think it can, I, I can, I really, I'm ready to kind of embrace this kind of concept. So, um, thank you for sharing it, and um, yeah. thank you for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. God bless you, Duncan. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Before you go, because. This isn't new, by the way. I don't give this impression that this stuff is new. Um, 2,000 years ago, a, a man walked the earth, and he, he gave us, you know, uh, I have a faith, and this guy walked the earth, and he said, remember these words. And he gave us this Lord's Prayer. And in the middle of the Lord's Prayer were four words that he gave us, and they were, give us this day. Give us this day. 
not give us this week or this quarter or this fiscal year or this three-year business plan or this 20-year program. Give us this day. And later on in that scripture, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Everybody knows this one. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. There's only one way tomorrow takes care of itself. Only if you give us this day. It's about today. Thank you. Thank you.